Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Not Your Average Joe, the podcast that will make anyone a little less average. I'm your host, Joe Franco, and I'm currently sipping a glass of red wine in front of my fireplace because today's episode is worth a glass of wine to celebrate. We're combining two of my favorite topics, language learning and entrepreneurship. I know we've talked a little bit about both on the pod, but today we're really narrowing in on how to take that passion that you've loved since you were a kid and turn it into a six-figure business or more. I went from a guy blogging in his bedroom after work to sitting around the table literally with dozens of millionaires. And I noticed how they think differently. I noticed what they do. I noticed their habits and where their mind goes to when confronted with a problem. So that immediately made me uh, raise my game and just operate in a totally different way. That's the voice of Ollie Richards, CEO and creator of IWillTeachYouALanguage.com. He's also the pioneer in the story learning technique that's not only built him a name in the language learning space, but laid the foundation for a million dollar publishing empire. The man went from being a full-time employee at somebody else's job to employing 14 people full-time at his own company. He speaks eight languages and is an overall stand-up dude. Today, we talk about all things related to the journey, how to take what you know in your brain and monetize it. Take out your notebook and stay tuned because today's episode has some serious gems worth noting. Kill the intro, sis. You know she's not your average Joe, not your average Joe. Hello, Joe. Ali. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Yeah. Thanks for chatting with me. It's uh, it's a pleasure. It's such a natural progression. The people like us who are like into languages and stuff eventually also want to spend our time talking about business and they just create ways to do that because I'm exactly the same and, and it's just, it's, it's brilliant. It's so much fun. I know. I know. So today's conversation is going to be two parts. First, I want to know what came what came first? It's like the chicken or the egg. Did the business mind come yeah. first or did the language love come first? But really the conclusion at the end of this episode, I want people to realize they could turn something as specific as language learning into a full-time, very lucrative business because that's what you've done for the last few years. And like a true businessman, he asked me the first question that anyone should ask themselves ever. So who's the, um, who's the audience for this then? The audience is just anyone who wants to be a little less average. The listeners, we love language learning. We're also entrepreneurial. So that's why I wanted to speak to you because a lot of people who watch my videos or listen to me speak, they're like, oh, I want to learn languages for a living, but I don't want to be a translator. I don't want to work at the UN. Fantastic. You know, I think we're living in a world where those are no longer the only options for people who like studying languages career-wise. So let's start from the beginning. Give us a little bit of your background and how you stumbled upon this publishing empire and you do many different things, but it's all related in the language space. None of this was a straight line. Essentially for me, it went a little bit like this. I was really into languages. I learned a bunch of languages. I started blogging about languages, built an audience around my blog, and then I started writing books 
based on what I learned from my audience. And that was the kind of sequence of it all. Okay, so what is the timeline there? How long did it take you to take your hobby into a blog and then from blog to book? So 2013, August 2013, I wrote my very first blog post. And then almost exactly two years later, I wrote my first book of short stories. I already knew languages, right? So I could have I could have theoretically written that book of short stories at any point. So I wrote it in Spanish, the book of short stories in Spanish. That's the first book. I could have done that before I had a blog. But the reason I did it two years later was because I understood or I learned how the business of self-publishing can work. And I think a lot of, I see a lot of people writing books, a lot of people who are into languages, you know, they try and write books. No, they do write books. Um, they publish them but nothing happens with them. It's like a kind of, they launch it into the ether and then it disappears. But to be successful with this kind of stuff, you need to, you need two things. You need, first of all, the, the knowledge and the experience, but then you also need to know, you need to combine that with a second skill, which in many cases is something like marketing or content creation or, or YouTube or something like that. So that you, you actually know how to get stuff out there. Because there's a very big difference between me saying, oh, I'm going to write a book because I think it's going to be cool. And saying, I'm going to write a book because I understand my audience, what they need and what they want. So I'm going to write something to fit a demand and fill a need. And it's the latter that I was, that I was really working on. Um, and so the first book was self-published, which anybody can do, you know, you can write a book in a word doc or in Google docs or whatever, and upload it to Kindle and it's published within 24 hours. It's actually super easy. But then what happened a year or two after that, because I, I so I, I made these books in lots of different languages. They were doing really well as self-published books. And then my publisher, Teach Yourself, they um, spotted them and, and saw they were doing well. They were actually considering doing some short stories for themselves, but they saw my books and they said, well, why not partner with, with Ollie instead? Because he's got this thing already established. So that's when I partnered with them and the books then kind of became traditionally published. So then they went out into bookshops. And so it's like, there's lots of different steps in the evolution. So what Ollie is really trying to say is that he went from being a blogger to being a guy who has books on shelves literally all over the world. The man is clearly not an average Joe. I have so many questions. Um, first of all, you're amazing. Congrats. Again, I'm just happy that we're living in a time where you could turn something like the love for languages into a full-time job. You've been working full-time for yourself for how long now? Eight years. Uh, so for the first two years, I was working at the British Council as, a, as a, uh, an English teacher manager. That was my day job for the first two years. So I built, I grew my blog for about two years and then after two years i moved back to the uk and went full-time it was touch and go at that point i was making you know maybe somewhere between three to five thousand dollars a month so for somewhere like london that's not a lot right it was just about enough but it was got to a point where it was a natural transition point for me and i thought on balance can I grow this thing beyond where I'm at now? And I thought, yes, without a doubt. So I just basically gave myself that opportunity. Let's talk about your audience for a little bit. So when you started writing, you had to get the first 10 eyeballs. From 2013 until the moment you published your books, what was your traffic like? How many followers did you have? This is pre, you know, Instagram boom. This is pre, I mean, YouTube was mm -hmm. around, but you weren't on YouTube. You were solely publishing on a blog. That's right. I mean, I did upload the occasional video to YouTube, but it was more of a something I did to make my blog look pretty rather than the other way around, you know? So I, it, it was a very, so my traffic and my audience growth for the last eight years has been one very steady line. 
you know, I've had, I've had, you know, occasional spikes like everyone gets, but basically if you average it out, it's one very long straight line. And this is why consistency in content creation is so important because it just, it just compounds over time. Let's get into these not your average Joe takeaways. We're living in an age where you can essentially create a business from what you have inside of your mind. But the trick is consistency. If you're consistent, it's only a matter of time before things start to pay off. So the not so average Joe knows that you might need to spend 20 hours a week doing something that no one really cares about for years until one day they do because investment in oneself compounds over time of course you do need the quality but when we're playing the game of content consistency is key say that three times fast i started off like writing blog posts into the ether yeah no one was reading them and i remember a few months in there was one day when i i would probably written like 10 blog posts and i remember looking at my analytics and that day there were 99 people had come to my website that's like 99 people that's almost 100 people in a day that's 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 a big number so i remember calling up my friend and say like i, I really want to get to 100 can you just go to the, my website and load up a page so i can just get that number from 99 to 100 uh, and so 100 in a day i mean it's 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 right at the beginning here you know but i saw that traction and you know i'm a big believer like, one, one of the main ways i've built my my business has been look for signs of traction however small and do more of that thing and don't stop and in many ways, building a business is, is that simple. You, what you need is consistency and then signs of traction. And if you can spot those signs and do more of that thing, then that's what works. And so that's what I did. It was just, I had a rule for myself. Every Sunday evening, every week, I'm going to publish a blog post, come what may. And I did for, you know, over two years. So it was only one article a week. Yeah. Which is not that heavy lifting because, I mean, you could spend two hours on it and over time it compounds. Or 15 hours in my case. I spent a long time on my blog post. 15 so, hours, Ollie? Yeah, I, I would tend, I would spend between 10 to 20 hours per blog post. What? What are you doing on these blog posts? Uh, researching, uh, structuring, editing, and then re-editing a whole bunch of times. So see, see I come from the world of videos and I spend 20 hours mm -hmm. minimum on a video and I'm thinking like, you know, video is the heaviest lift, but I guess if you're really going in the language route with academia, you need to study and do the research. Well, I wasn't doing that so much, but I see, I, my, here was my thought process. I thought, well, there's already in 2013, there were lots of people blogging about languages. And I remember hearing about people like Benny Lewis, who already had a huge platform and think, oh, I'm too late to the game. You know, <laughs> imagine that in 2013 saying, um, I'm too late to the game, but that's how it, how it felt. So I thought, well, what, what is it that I'm bringing to this? What am I trying to do? And for, in my case, it was like, well, I have a lot of back, I have a lot of language learning experience. I've learned lots of languages, but I've also taught languages for years. So I feel like I've got an interesting perspective here because I can talk about language learning from the perspective of the learner and the teacher, which not many other people were doing at the time. So I thought, okay, I'm going to take a topic each week and I'm going to write what I think can be the best article in the world on this topic. And I think it worked because, you know, for content, so many people just put out something quick and easy um, because someone told them they have to write content. But I thought, well, how can I differentiate myself? Um, and so that's, that's what I did. When you first started writing blog posts, did you know it was going to turn into a business? Was that your intention or you just did it for fun to challenge yourself every Sunday? Yeah, so I did enjoy it, but I did also know that it could become something. So I read a, a great book called The $100 Startup by Chris Gillibo. 
Um, and in that book, there was the example of, uh, of Benny Lewis from Fluent in Three Months. And he, and he said uh, in that book, he said, oh, I, I was traveling in Thailand and I met this guy, Benny Lewis, in a bar who was traveling the world making $40,000 a year from his blog. So I thought, oh, that's interesting, 40000 I mean, it's not millions, but hey, you can travel the world on forty grand, no problem. And he blogs, that's interesting. So I went to his website and I looked at what he was doing. I thought, well, that's really great. I could do that. And so I kind of, I, I, I set off with that in mind. I kind of knew in the back of my mind that it could be something. It felt like a very long way off, but I'm quite a, de a determined person, right? So when I set my mind to something, I'll, I, I'll keep doing it. You know, it's so funny. I'm going to have Benny on this podcast too, because he's become a good friend. And it's just so cool because you two are the main people in publishing in the language space that I know that I've read that I am just happy to know. And it's funny to know that Benny planted the seed for you. Oh, completely. Have you ever met him? Oh, we're good friends. It's cool to see that we're all connected because the language space isn't that big. It is massive, but as far as people creating content and like publishing and things like that, I feel like we're getting, the world is shrinking. I think it depends what, you, what, you, what you're looking at. I mean, there's always been, from when I started, like hundreds of language blogs out there. There are tens of thousands of language YouTube channels. Um, you know, when you start to get into specific languages like French teachers or Spanish teachers, there's thousands of them out there. It's very easy to exist on YouTube, but the rest of the world just has no idea who you are. Mm -hmm. But once you're in bookshops and and you start to just creep it more into the public consciousness. Um, but a lot of this stuff as well, just, it comes down to just time spent doing stuff. Like, I don't know when you started, uh, Joe, but uh, I don't think it was as long ago as I as me, but you've been doing this for a while, right? And it's like my, my dad said to me once, like sometimes in business, the way to succeed is just stay in the game and yeah. things start to happen. Let me say it again for the people in the back. If you just stay in the game, things will start to happen. I learned this lesson when I was running cross country back in the day. I wasn't a fast runner, but I realized that it wasn't about being the fastest. It was just about being the most resilient. Of course, I'd take my breaks and one time I even fainted in the bushes. But whether we're talking about running, language learning or building an empire, consistency is your ticket to success. It's all about focus. For someone starting out, I would say, look, start creating a successful content-based platform is a five-year job. After five years, you can you can definitely expect to be somewhere where you, you can be making a comfortable living from it, for sure. But you've got to stick it out for that five-year period because it doesn't things don't really become clear in, until that point. I feel like the, the tough part is finding the motivation to stay in the game when you're spending all of this time crafting these articles or these videos. And, you know, we're living in a time where there are so many different platforms, whether it's a TikTok or or an Instagram post or anything, you're spending time. And when people go into it expecting to blow up and they don't see those numbers, they get unmotivated. And for you, you've probably felt that I felt it. I started in 2012 and I remember I baked cookies and asked people to subscribe to the YouTube channel because no one cared. And so it was this persistence. It's exactly what your dad said. It was staying in the game. It was like this ruthless belief in oneself when no one else cared. So what is your advice for somebody who is in the starting stages and they're feeling unmotivated? What did you do when you didn't see those numbers that you really wanted to see? So... I'm a big believer now in the concept of combining skills. I mentioned, I mentioned this earlier, you know, the people that you don't have to be the best in the world to be successful. And this would be a very important message for everybody. Like if, if you don't feel that you are the best in whatever your niche is, hey, you don't need to be, you need to be in the 90th percentile. Maybe you've got to be like in the, in the top, top 10% of, of people out there, but the way to really make yourself 
give yourself a good chance is by combining that with a second skill. So for example, if you're combining a knowledge of, um, of language learning with YouTube, with YouTube marketing, or if you're combining a knowledge of baking with writing skills, if you can be very, very good at two of those skills, then that gives you an unfair advantage over everybody else. So to your question, I already had the language thing down. I've been doing it for years. So what I decided to do was focus on the art and science of blogging in my case. So I, I set out to learn how do you, how does one blog? Like what makes for a, how do you grow a blog? What, I mean, what actually, how do you do it? Because there are always people teaching that stuff. So I set out to learn, okay, well, what, what exactly, what, what is keyword research? What is um, SEO? How do you use images? What are some techniques to keep people on, to keep people reading on the page? How do you choose your topics? Uh, what, what is off-page SEO? and Why does it matter? All these different things. I found that by treating that as a learning project in itself, the how-to blog, I found myself learning more all the time. And I would learn something, I'd apply it. And so I found my sense of motivation and progress and forward momentum in in that element of the project, right? And so that, and when, because when you're doing that and you're learning and you can see those signs of progress, that's where the motivation, at least for me, came from. This sort of thinking is why I love having people like Ollie in my life. It's brilliant. Not your average Joe tip number three. If you wanna turn your passion into a business, what you need to do is first think about what is it that you're skilled in? What are your passions? And then think about what are the vehicles that you're gonna to use to convey that passion and skill to people? The combinations are endless. You can be a crocheting TikToker or a dancing Instagrammer or a filmmaking YouTuber or a language learning podcaster. We're living in an age where you can design your ideal life based around the passions that you are naturally good at if you just have the right strategy in place. So did you start doing that kind of research of SEO and marketing and all of those nitty gritty details that will take your blog from 100 viewers to 10,000 viewers in a day? Did you do that before you were full time or during your full time when you pulled the trigger to stop working? No, that was from the very beginning. One of the advantages of doing stuff like this when you're still in, when you still have a job is that you've got a bit of money to spend. So if you if you want to take a training course, you can you can take it if you want to hire a coach you can hire a coach uh, there are people out there who have figured this all out before you so there's no need for you to kind of wallow around and like blindfolded trying to figure it out from nothing you can get every, everything you want to know about growing your youtube channel or your blog you can get that information so to listen to podcasts buy courses um hire coaches it, it speeds everything up so I, I i bought loads of courses on everything from like how to how to blog, to how to create a product. I, I invested a lot of money in, in courses because I, I thought, well, if I'm going to do this properly, I want to make sure I've got the best possible knowledge because there's no point handicapping myself unnecessarily. If I can get access to that knowledge about how to grow a blog, well, then let me go and do it. And if I have to pay for it, so be it. I pay for lots of things, pay for food, pay for coffee. Why not pay for blog training? And so I did. And, um, and so I was very... I, treat, I treated it quite seriously from the beginning, I think I'd say. And this is when we started getting into one of my favorite topics, the art of investing in oneself. Well, it's also an investment. It's a return. You know, if you if you buy a course and you spend those hours, I think that's the, the process. It's the discipline. First, it's the research. You have to wake up and have that creative spark to research. 
on Google blog training course, right? Like there's a moment where you need to wake up with that inspiration and then you need to find the course, do some research, find reviews. You purchase the course knowing it's an investment and then really executing because how many people buy courses and never use them? But when you look at these courses or these training programs as true investments where you can learn something and turn it into more money, that's when you really get cooking with oil. And by cooking with oil, I mean getting into the flow of teaching yourself the things that you probably would have never learned about otherwise if you hadn't listened to the voice inside of your head to take the plunge, buy the course, buy the book, get the notebook out, and start taking action on the idea that's lived in your head rent-free for ages. This is when the magic starts to happen. Exactly. And this investing in yourself is, I think it's something that you guys in the States do better than we do here in the UK. People are here a little bit, you know, they don't always, they sometimes look down a bit on personal development, but you guys are great because you're just like, yeah, like invest in myself, learn uh, all these, all these things. You're quite good at that. Um, and it is, you know, you, you spend a hundred thousand dollars going to university, right. But you're not going to spend 200 bucks on a, on a, on a, on a, on a, on a course on how to do YouTube that can change your life. I mean, it really doesn't make sense, but it's just about, it's about what we're used to in society and culture. You're bringing up a really good point. So a lot of people actually go to my university that I, my alma mater, because they want to follow in my footsteps and build similar careers. And I, I want to tell them, listen, I did learn a lot of skills from, from college. I had tons of internships. I did seven internships where I was able to see what I didn't like, which was almost as valuable as knowing nice. what I did like. But really, it's exactly what you just said. I learned everything on the fly. I learned doing it. I learned Googling how to create a transition on YouTube videos, right? And it just took that investment with my time because I didn't have money. At the time, I was so broke. Like I remember all I had was credit card debt and uh, resources from my university. So talk about investment. I figured if I'm paying 50 grand a year for access to this university and its facilities, I will be up all night in the computer labs using the software on the computers to edit. But it takes that creativity. I think everything is solvable. And I want to stress that to everybody listening, that there is no linear path, like you said. Everything has been a creative solution of looking at the resources available to you and kind of playing a puzzle with it all. What What is something that you tried that you realized you didn't like? Oh my God, I'll never forget. There was this moment. I interned at NBC Universal in uh, the ad sales department and I was putting in all of the numbers. I'm not a very detail-oriented person. I could sit for hours doing the same task, but I'm more of a big picture. And they put me on the most detail-oriented task of writing in to the dollar amount how much advertisers were paying for ads on a website. And they were selling tweets as added value. And that moment was, it was twofold. One, I realized I could never work for anyone else because I just felt like if somebody gave me tasks, it would use 2% of my skills. I was sitting there, I wasn't using my languages. I wasn't using my creativity. I wasn't using my marketing. And then to make it worse, I was like, this is so dumb. Why are we selling tweets as added value? It means that it costs nothing when a tweet is more engaged than a than a banner ad on a website. People just graze over. And that was a moment that changed my life because I said, if if someone learns how to monetize social media, they will be rich. And now you flash forward 10 years and this is how we're all making livings. It's monetizing social media in indirect and sometimes direct ways. So you did something which is, I think is super important, especially for young people, which is that 
when you have the time and the flexibility to try different things, try as many things as you can. Go and work in different places, learn different skills, because you, you don't know what you're going to find the natural affinity with. And often what I see is that the people who, who really succeed, they might, only, they might be as good as lots of other people, but because they've had this irrational passion for what they're doing, they just put in the extra work. And that is enough sometimes to make the difference. The only reason I've been able to do um, what I've been doing for so many years is that I, I really like it. I love it. It's my life. You know, language learning has been my life, a big part of my life the whole time. So I, I'm motivated to make videos on my YouTube channel. I'm motivated to record podcasts. I'm motivated to try new things because I, I care about the subject matter. So if you can find that thing that you're naturally good at and you also love, you are giving yourself so much more of an advantage over something that sounds good on a career prospect brochure. Absolutely. This is the classic find the thing that you love and do it for work and you'll never actually work a day in your life conversation. Listen, as someone who's been working in the creative space, doing anything and everything I've wanted to do for the last decade and getting to employ people to do the same thing, it feels pretty damn good. But it doesn't take away from the fact that that ish is not easy. But like you said, it takes that skill set to couple that passion with marketing, blogging, YouTubing. And I, I still want to know, so at what point were you making full-time money? Like, what was your traffic like? And how did you continue to grow sales? Because that's a really big skill. So like I said, it was about two years of work, evenings and weekends while I had my full-time job. And then by that point, I'm going to be guessing here, but I think I was probably getting around 25,000 hits a month to my website, which for a general topic website like this is not that much really. Um, but it was enough together with the with one, the, the first book that I self-published to be bringing in around, you know, four or 5,000 a month. Of course, looking back on it now, I know how inefficient that was. I could do much more with that traffic now than I was at the time now, because I know so much more now about, you know, how to build a business, how to grow a business, how to monetize traffic, how to increase lifetime customer value, how to, how to offer value, how to price things, all this, all this stuff. Everyone has inefficiencies at the beginning. That, that's fine. So it's about two years, 25,000 hits or so a month to the website and four to 5k uh, in, in revenue. Okay. So maybe it sounds a little bit easier said than done. Like, sure. You can make 5k a month, but how do you really do it? After the break, we're going to talk about the nitty gritty of Ollie's journey from one man band to a business lucrative enough to hire 14 full-time employees. And let me tell you, honey, 14 employees, that's no joke. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
over time, so you asked how I continued to grow traffic. It was actually it was more of the same. So it was it was looking at what had been working and realizing, hey, it's been working. Let's do more of it. And then over time, I started to get on more help on board. So up until that point, it was just me. And then uh, gradually, I had more people start to join me. And they were, it was part-time, hourly paid, someone doing customer support, someone else helping me with um, you know, putting together courses. You know, now we have, um, I think it's 14 people on the team. Um, but back then, it was just you know, a couple of people helping, helping me out. But what I was able to do was to start to uh, systematize that content creation. So before it was one blog post a week that was taking me up to 20 hours to make. And then quite quickly, we got to the point where we were producing three blog posts per week. And I wasn't even involved in the process because we had someone who would um, do keyword research, commission these posts from, from writers, um, and then take, take it and then work it up on the blog, make it look good. Um, and then, and then publish it. Once you step out of the hamster wheel inside your business and you get other people to come in and actually take on that work, that's when you can really start to grow because it just gives you time and space to step back and um, do more strategic things that can grow the business. I once heard someone say that if you have to be there, it means it's a job. But if you don't have to be there and it still functions and grows, it's a business. Of course, you'll still need to be the captain of the ship's steering. But the not-so-average Joe knows that once you learn the art of delegating, you can finally scale your business and you'll be able to remove your hours from your income. And that's when you can really design a life filled with flexibility. Weren't you nervous to hand off your baby to someone, to multiple people? Because people followed your, your blog for your writing. So the moment that you hired other people, did you feel anxious about it? It was a strange thing. See, a lot of... So I was writing as myself, yes, but what I realized was that most of the traffic was coming through keyword-focused content. Okay, so I could I could write I could spend twenty hours writing a post on my opinion on something, and it would do really well with my audience, but it wouldn't spread any further. But then if I wrote a keyword-focused post on fastest way to learn Spanish, what I noticed was it would do well with my audience, and Google would pick it up because people were actually searching for that on Google, and then it would get tons and tons of traffic. So I realized that actually to grow, what I needed to do was follow a keyword focused strategy. And for that content, it didn't need to be me who was, who was creating it. The way that I managed to get over the emotional side of it was first of all, learning about business because part an essential part of business is at first outsourcing and then hiring and then managing and all of those, those things. So I, I knew intellectually that was the path I needed to go down, but I also, um, you know, we've created very good systems over the years. Um, my COO now has, has got very, very good at, at creating um, very structured checklists for all processes. So I know that if a piece of content goes out, it goes through like a 35 point checklist or something like that to make sure that it is exactly the way that I want it to be. Um, and okay, it doesn't have my, it hasn't been written personally by me, but it is, it is top quality content that we've worked very hard on. The team has worked very hard on. And, um, and I was able to keep my, my voice in the business in other ways. So I'm a, I'm a big um, proponent of email marketing. And so I would spend, I'd communicate with my audience on a daily basis through email. So that was my voice coming through there. I also have a podcast, the I Will Teach You a Language podcast. I have a YouTube channel, which is Ollie Richards on, on YouTube. Um, and so I, my voice was out there and I was starting to create new media properties where I could sort of express myself. And so um, it, the blog stopped becoming the be all and end all of the, of the business. What I love so much about business is the psychology behind it. 
Maybe not everyone sees companies this way, but personally, having grown two businesses revolving around my lifestyle, what I know to be true is that removing your personal feelings and attachments to the business is like sending your kids off to college. You have to be okay with letting go and seeing it thrive without your day-to-day -day contact with it. Because nothing is scalable if we grip on too tightly. It needs room to fly. Most of my entrepreneurial friends all agree that letting others operate their businesses ended up being the best things for them. Not only for their time management, but for their ability to stay fresh and creative. Because if you have the mind that's capable of birthing a business and movement, your talent is in ideas. And that shouldn't be stopped. But in order to build a team big enough to spend your days being a visionary, you need to master a craft and teach it to others. But I want to get back to the keyword focus strategy. What are the tools that you use to search what keywords were buzzing and were worth creating articles around? Yeah, there's so many different ways to do this. I mean, keyword research is a fairly fundamental SEO strategy, but a, a really simple trick that anyone can use to start doing this now is simply to think of your topic. Let's say, uh, I don't know, Joe, give me a language topic. How to bake Brazilian sweets. Brazilian sweets, right. So go to YouTube or Google, the platform of your choice, type in the words Brazilian sweets, stop there, and then look at what else comes up in the search bar. What these platforms do now is they give you a list of say 10, 15 options related to what you've typed in. So that gives you, uh, uh, that gives you an exact list of things that people are searching for on that topic. Click on one of those. And then if you scroll down, you'll start to see other bits of content that other people have written on that topic, how to make Brazilian sweets, the five best Brazilian sweets, Brazilian sweets for Christmas, I don't know. And then you can, so you can start to see what other people are publishing and then start there, make content on that with your own, your own spin. Not your average Joe tip number four, the not your average Joe knows that their unique spin on something is the selling point. Think about how many brands of water are on the shelf at the grocery store or how many brands of paper exist, how many social media platforms are out there. The point is, even if it's been done before, you can do it in a way no one else can. Use that to your advantage. So how important do you think it is to make content that's free versus content that becomes a vehicle to sell your books? It's, it's probably helpful to start with the picture of the complete business. So what does the complete business look like? Because you're always building towards that, right? A lot of stuff that you do at the beginning isn't necessarily best practice for an established business, but it's good to get you started. Mm -hmm. So at the beginning, basically just make all your content free. You, you need to attract and build an audience. That's, that's your main job. But as you grow, content has different kinds of purposes, right? So the simplistic view of content is a blog post or a YouTube video, but there are other ways of thinking about content. So content can also be emails that you write through an email autoresponder. Content can be a webinar. It can be live stream. It can be an infographic you make. So there's lots of different types of content and when you know what you're doing, you start, to, you start to put out these bits of content in different sequences. So you want people, you might want to attract someone to your website with a, one particular kind of content. And then once you have them on your email list, you then might want to send them a different kind of content. And then later, something else. For example, with your Brazilian, your Brazilian sweets example, and this is called top of funnel. So I'll use a term here, which is top of funnel, middle of, middle of funnel, and bottom of funnel. We're getting a little bit complicated, but imagine an inverted triangle where you've got the top of the wide part of the funnel, and then at the right at the bottom, you've got the, the narrow end. So the top of the funnel, this is all about attracting people to your website in the first place. So we're going to make something very broad on the topic. The 17 best Brazilian sweets you can make at home. Cool piece of content, lots of fun to make. So now you attract people to your website who are interested in the general topic of Brazilian sweets. Yeah. Now that you've got them in your in your world, you want to show that you can that you really know your stuff. Demonstrate your 
your knowledge, show them how you can help them. So then you might release a bit of content that's not so kind of bells and whistles, but it's full of teaching how you, teaching what you know about the topic. So it might be something like Joe's secret method for getting your Brazilian sweets the perfect texture every time, yeah, right? So it's not- But it's educational. Yeah. You're offering something- to the audience. It's, you're going a layer deeper and you're talking often about your method, your system. So how Joe makes Brazilian sweets. So now what you're doing is that your audience are getting to know you more and they're understanding that you have a way of teaching. At this point, for them, you, they know you can help you, that you know that you can help them. Okay. This is what we call middle of funnel. And then the bottom, of, and it's all content. This is all content, right? And then at the bottom of the funnel, this is where you say, right, you found me. You know that I'm good and I can help you. And now for those of you who are interested, hey, I've got this ebook with recipes for the 20 best Brazilian sweets. Cost $10. And if you like what you've heard so far, here you go. You can go and buy it here. And that's also a piece of content. It might be a simple email that says, hey, I've made this, this, I've made this ebook. Um, go and buy it. And that's bottom of funnel content, which means now that people know you, they know that you can help them. Now it's time to offer them something to buy. These are all different pieces of content, but it's very important that they come in a, in a certain sequence that prepares people to, to, to actually want to do business with you. All right, so this is the magic right here. Some of the wealthiest content creators apply this exact method to their madness. If you take a look, it's easy to reverse engineer all of these free webinars. They're nothing more than the sample that you would try at the grocery store. Don't get me wrong, you still need to offer a solid product, but the concept of monetizing an audience is no different than giving out free scoops of ice cream at the end of aisle three, figuratively speaking. You tease them and then you give them the product worth buying. And did you learn this from a course that you bought? Because it's brilliant. It's basic and it's brilliant. The way I've explained it now is a combination of probably hundreds of books, masterminds, webinars, courses, blog posts, YouTube videos that I've read over the years. These are, these are, it's a fairly straightforward concept in marketing. There's different levels of understanding this stuff, right? You can, you can read, you can learn it in a course. You can read it in a blog post and you have one layer of understanding it. But it's not until you've actually implemented it in your business across multiple different parts and you've done it yourself and seen the results that you really understand it. It's a great process. And I think a lot of people are doing it in, and maybe they're doing it out of order or they're not even aware they're doing it. But if you follow that sequence, it's pretty straightforward. It's like you're guiding the audience and you're training the audience and you're also creating a niche for yourself. What I see is a lot of young people, they blow up on TikTok or they blow up on YouTube and they're not ready for that kind of growth. And maybe they're not thinking about pieces of content in a business sense. So they don't even have the direction of where they wanna go. There's also the other side of the spectrum. There are people who create content just to create content and they have no intentions of turning it into a business and that's okay as well. But people like you have created a complete business with 14 employees focused on your favorite thing on earth, language learning, because of content. I think that's so inspirational and it speaks volumes to the fact that if you just focus and you're consistent and you're smart enough to teach yourself and invest in yourself, you can build something great. You know, I'm very aware that if I had heard what I've what I just said when I was starting out, it would just go right over my head. I'd be like, hang on, I can't do this. It's too, it's, it's, it's too advanced. I don't have, I'm doing it all by myself. This is not realistic. Or you I mean, tell me something I can actually do now. And there is a, there is a, a, lot, a lot to this, right? The, you, it's very important when you're learning to seek out and ask the right questions for you at the right stage. 
for, I would have thought for most people listening, that like the, what I've just talked about is not practical to implement right now. You need the strategy, you need to create a lot of content, and then you have to have the systems to implement that content. It's not easy. I think what's most useful to know, the reason it's most useful to know this is to show that, hey, there is a method to the madness. It's not all random. It's not that the guy who just blew up on YouTube or TikTok has got it made because he's blown up on YouTube or TikTok. No, like that's just one element to, to the business. You can learn this stuff. And if you're not the one who's blowing up on YouTube, hey, it doesn't matter. You don't need to. I have never blown up on YouTube. Didn't need to. Never blown up on my blog. I just, it was just gradual. You don't need to have any of these, these, these kind of headline grabbing events occur to you. You can build. And this is the reason that a lot of, a lot of businesses with fairly modest traffic can make a lot of money. Because if you know how the business side works, then you can apply that to even small levels of traffic and do really well. The thing that I would want people to understand is that there's a method to all this. You can learn it and you can apply this step by step. You don't need to do everything at once. It's true. You really don't need to be the biggest or best to create a lifestyle business where you do what you love for a living and live wherever you want in the world. You just need to invest in yourself, learn the business side and be consistent. Like when you're starting off from zero, you've never even gone on WordPress or whatever blog platform you're using. What did you yeah. use to start? There's what I did and what I would recommend now. Um, I'll tell you what I did, which was listen to every podcast I could get my hands on, read every blog I could get my just consume everything. And what I found was that by by listening to all this stuff from different different gurus, certain themes started to emerge. So for example, everyone talked about how they regretted not starting an email list sooner. Everyone talked about how the way to do SEO was actually write amazing top quality content because that's what rises to the top over time. So I would listen to everything, notice the main lessons and apply those things. What I would do now, if I was going back to the beginning, would be I would find someone, a guru, because we need gurus. They're very helpful for certain things. Not everything, but certain things. I would find the guru who I kind of most resonated with. Um, so someone, for example, let's say I wanted to start YouTube. I would find someone who's teaching YouTube, who's ethos and style I liked, who I related to. And I would go and I would learn everything I could from them. I'd buy all their courses. I'd take coaching with them. I basically want, I want to learn their bag of tricks because most people teaching this stuff, assuming that they are, um, they're decent. And you can usually tell whether someone's just faking it or whether they are, you know, if they have a big following. If they seem sent, you know, you can usually use your best judgment to tell. Um, I would, they, they, they usually teach best practice. So you'll learn all the most important things in a concise way. And the reason you buy their courses is that although a lot of the time their information, everything they know will be free on their YouTube channel, you can't just sit there and watch YouTube for hundreds of hours and piece it together. When you're buying a course, what you're really buying is the structuring of the information so that it's step by step by step. Uh, and, it, that, and then you can also then apply that step by step by step. And that's what gives you that forward momentum. So I would, I would find one person I resonate with and learn everything from them. But, you know, I kind of worry because we are entering this stage in content that everybody's claiming to be an expert. Everybody has a course. So what are the watch outs when you're looking to buy a course? How do you smell the BS? I always follow someone's content first. Most people, if they're doing a good job, this is why we make content in the first place, right? Because it allows you to, to 
get a sense for who the person is. So there are certain people that I follow right now, which are relevant to my stage of business growth at this point in time, right? There are certain a handful of people I listen to, not many, but a handful of people. And I consume pretty much everything that they put out, whether it's a podcast or a YouTube video. I've consumed, I've listened to so much of, their, of, their, of what they produce that I know that they know their stuff. And so if they were to come out with a course that happened to be what I was looking for at that point, I wouldn't hesitate in buying it because I think what people, people often get worried about sales, right? Oh, I don't want to be sleazy when I sell stuff. But what people don't understand is the selling process starts on your YouTube channel or on your blog post. If you do a good job of becoming, of being a personable character of quality teaching, of um, building a, a community, interacting with people, this is generating trust and credibility, which, is, which are two of the key components of sales. So sales, the sales process starts right at the beginning. I would look out for people whose, whose content I like, relate to, and trust, and make your decision based on that. There's always this lingering thing at the beginning. I remember I bought, I bought one course. I can't remember the moment. It was 2013 or 14, I think, 2014. And I bought this course on how to launch a product. It, the specific course was how to create your first product and, and sell it before you've even made it. So it was a really um, enticing proposition. And I'd never made a product before and I really wanted to. So that course came along and it was from a guy who was, he's, he's quite markety, you know, but he's trustworthy and he's got lots of press and, you know, you've, you heard his name mentioned around all the time. So I was, I was like 80, 85% sure it was going to be good. It was a thousand dollars. So it was a lot of money for me at the time, having never made much from my, from my blog. And, and, and there was this thing in the back of my mind, like, oh, what if this is a scam? I knew it wasn't a scam, but what if this doesn't work? I'm just going to throw away a thousand dollars. But then I, I just thought, okay, on balance, knowing what I know, is this a good idea? Is this what I need right now? Yes. If it fulfills the promise, is it going to be great for me? Yes. So why don't you buy it? Oh, I'm nervous. Okay. Well, that's just your nerves talking. You know, it's not rational. So I just try and think it through in that way. Was it worth it? Oh, what? I mean, the most important course I ever bought. What? I mean, totally. I mean, on a tangible level, I spent a thousand and made back like 3000 or something like that. So because yeah, he taught me to, to create my first course and I did it. I followed through. I made the course, sold it and made back more than I made from the program. But that's not really the important thing. The important thing was it started me on this journey of investing in learning and training and learning. And I realized from that, hey, if I can learn from this guy, who else is there out there that I could learn from? So I continued to invest in, in learning. And I was still a relative beginner. You know, it was like two years. In fact, about two years into my blog journey, I invested $25,000 in a mastermind group uh, with a very, a very well-known um, internet marketer. It was a, a time where I was like, okay, going full-time. I want to know everything. I want to know everything. I don't want to be operating without knowledge. So who's got the knowledge out there? And I bought this guy's book and he was, he was selling this mastermind group. And I thought, right, if I can go to this mastermind and I can sit around the table with like 20 other, 20 millionaires, what are the chances that I won't learn an absolute ton? It's, not, it's impossible. What are the chances that they wouldn't be able to help me like move, grow faster? No, it, it, it all stacked up. Okay. So how much is it? 25 grand. It's like, oh, okay. Uh, do you take credit cards? I was like, yep, we do. And we can do a payment plan if you want. So it's only going to be like 4,000 a month. I was like, oh, go on then. I was just in that, in that frame of mind. And I, and I thought, oh, again, on balance, big investment. But every course I bought up until that point had worked wonderfully. So I thought, well, this is the next stage. And I've got to have faith. And I've got to learn. And it's still way cheaper than a college degree. So, you know, <laughs> let's do it. And so, yeah. I, and, and that was just life-changing because I... 
I went from a guy blogging in his bedroom after work to sitting around the table, literally with dozens of millionaires. And I noticed how they think differently. I noticed what they do. I noticed their habits and where their mind goes to when confronted with the problem. So that immediately made me uh, raise my game and just operate in a totally different way. But yeah, the common thread in all of this stuff is just, is learning and investing in your learning. Not your average Joe. Tip number five is a good one. If there's one thing that will stay true for the rest of your waking life, it's that investing in yourself is always a great idea. Look up the course, look up the training program, spend the time reading, taking notes, mapping out plans. Your future self will thank you. So you said a few things that I want to point out. One, I think there's psychology when you spend a lot of money that maybe you're afraid to give up, that makes you haul ass, that makes you get up, you're going to wake up and you're going to write that blog post and you're going to learn about that SEO because you just dropped $1,000 in the beginning stages. And the more money you put on the table, it's collateral. It's like almost you, it's truly you investing in yourself, but you promising that you will stay accountable. Whereas if you get a free course, it's easy to just skip out on the work because you didn't lose anything. I find that with gym memberships, it's the same. I, I remember uh, when I lived in Los Angeles, I, I slowly upgraded. It was like $20 a month for a gym membership. And then towards the end, I was paying like $1,500 for personal training in the nicest gym. Guess who was in the gym every day? Me. Yeah, you were. And I saw that psychology. I'm like, okay, maybe I'm spending more money, but I'm actually getting more out of it than if I wouldn't have spent this much money. And the same can be said about these kinds of courses and then the other thing that you said was about college education. I think uh, we're in a shift in knowledge right now where you don't necessarily, I'm not saying don't go to college because, again, I did gain tons of skills and relationships that are still showing me that they're changing my life from college. But if you're going to spend $25,000 a semester for a college degree you might never use, imagine what that could be turned into if you're being a part of a mastermind like the value there's a true value exchange when you're signing up for a college degree so if you look at your life post-college or if you don't go to college and you look at it in the same way you might actually get more value for that same money it just changes how people see knowledge i think like this conversation is is really highlighting that value equals knowledge like money could equal this abundant career if you invest in the right things well and then you and then you get to a point where you realize that money doesn't actually exist oh my god that's got to be another episode ollie <laughs> yeah i mean it's, it's it's like the illusion of financial security uh, we can go this is this could end up down a down, down a rabbit hole but the the thing about about money is it's, it's one thing at play in this world and it's an important thing and when you don't have it you really feel it but once you have it, you realize that actually the world works on planes of, of energy that are orders of magnitude above the simple transaction of, of dollars and cents. And you realize that people have knowledge in their brains that can do any, everything from, you know, get us to Mars to the most hideous acts that have ever been committed in our, in, in, in our history. Money is something which we've all come to depend on, but it's, it's, it's not the way that the world really works. The world works on, on, on human relationships, the transfer of knowledge, and we just happen to place a price tag on that thing because it's the way that we've all come to, um, to administer our lives um, in, in modern society. The idea of, of not investing in your education is, is, is just the most crazy thing because that is everything. The thing in your mind is everything.
there's nothing else. And it's nuts that we're living in an age where technology, the internet makes knowledge more accessible than ever. You can learn anything you want on the internet. You could turn anything into a business. It just takes some time management, discipline and investment in oneself. That's it. It's not about the money. The money won't, you can't buy a business. All you can do is, um, is, is learn to manage yourself so that the actions that you do from one day to the next result in things that happen. In this case, the transfer of bits and bytes across the internet that then manifest this thing called money, which is not actually money. It's about people wanting to engage with you as a human. You know, it's, it's, um, there's so much to learn and there's so much to discover. And the more that you discover, the more incredible it gets. But it all comes back to education, which is why we should all read. That's why reading is so vital uh, and you can learn everything you want to read in books. That's also why I teach languages through stories, because when, you're, when you've got your head in books, you just take more from it than when you're watching your phone and on and on it goes. This conversation has left me and everybody listening with so many nuggets of wisdom. But if you were to leave us with a tip to make any average Joe a little less average, what would it be? What a question. You know, the smartest person in the room is always the one who reads the most. So read, read, read. Send me a message on, uh, on Instagram. You can find, just search for uh, Ollie Rich on Instagram. Ask me, what's a good book on um, online business? I'll give you a few, a few tips. Like, ask people. It's not hard. You can go to Goodreads or Amazon. If you don't like reading, get a subscription to Audible. Go for a walk every morning for, for one hour and listen to audiobooks, which is what I do. I'm just so happy to know you because you're one of those people who inspire me to do more. And it's really special to connect to other entrepreneurs, especially in the language space, who, you know, your business and my business are different, completely different. And it's just refreshing because it's what you said, the more you know, the more you see how huge the opportunities are. Part of me is thinking like, oh, I need a TV show to be successful. But it's like, no, there's a whole world on the internet that you can build. You could be an architect of your own wild dreams and really make it happen. It's what you did. Yeah, and then, um, and then you make it happen and you realize actually, true happiness exists inside my own head. And all I really need to do is learn to meditate. And, um, and then, I realized I didn't really need any of that stuff in the first place. But at least now you have the time to think about it. <laughs> well, so this is the thing, right? We talked about money before. The, the, the single major advantage of money is it gives you time, right? Because you can't do any of this stuff when you are having to work three, three jobs to, to, get, to get by. Right? And this is, the, this is the major instrumental benefit of money. It removes you from the need to trade your hours for money. When you then have your time at your disposal. See, then you really, um, that, that's when you can really become the master of your own destiny, really. So it's not, you know, the money's not about, it's not about buying houses and, and holidays and cars and stuff. All of that stuff is nice. It's what it's really about is giving you the time for you to present in the world. If you have friends and family spending time with them, maybe living in, in nature or somewhere that inspires you, that's the stuff that really matters. And, you know, the more time you spend around people who have achieved so you know it's so-called success the more you realize that it's just it's really all an illusion and everything is fine just the way it is oh beautiful way to end it thank you ollie and where can we find you if you like youtube go to youtube and search for ollie richards if you like podcasts you can search for the i will teach you a language podcast and if you fancy um learning a language or reading a language book you can go to my website storylearning.com and have a browse see what you can find 
This man has done it all. How many languages do you speak? Oh, that's another that's another rabbit hole. Um, so I've I've um, I generally say that I speak eight languages. That's mostly just not to confuse people, and because because sometimes I get people say, "Oh, hang on," but on that blog post you said you speak seven, and then now you speak eight. Well, so I've learned eight languages. A lot of them I don't really use anymore. Um, I'd say I regularly speak five, and can get by now in three others. See, I'm the same way. There's a huge spectrum of like fluency. You know, one day you speak it, the next day you forget some things, but it's really about the usage. It is. I mean, it. so if you speak a language to a really good level, what we would know as a B2 level or upper intermediate level, generally speaking, you don't forget it. So the languages that I struggle with now, like my Arabic, for example, or, um, or even my Japanese, they're languages I didn't quite get to a B2 level. So now like I can I get by, but not really embedded. And then there are languages like French that I learned when I was 19, a long time ago, that I haven't really spoken for the last 20 years. But because I got it to a fairly good level, it's still there in my head. So it's funny. Yeah, it's a funny funny old game we need to do a part two where we're talking about language learning but i'm so energized with this conversation and i'm going to dm you ask you for the course recommendations the books we're gonna we're gonna keep this going it's a great conversation awesome well it's been a pleasure and you ask fantastic questions as well which is which is always nice thanks ali well you have great answers and that's all for this episode. Thank you so much for listening in. If you like the pod, don't forget to share it with a friend who could relate to some of these takeaways and tips. And do us a favor and rate it five stars on Apple Podcasts if you love it. Leave a review. Leave a thumbs up. And click that notifications button so you get notified every time we drop a new episode weekly on Wednesdays. Thanks again to Ollie Richards, who was an amazing guest and just an overall badass and inspirational person that I'm happy to know. Join me next week as I sit down with one one of my soul sisters, Miss Sako Envella, who's not only a social media guru, but a complete badass who woke up one day in Los Angeles and said, I gotta get out of here, it's time to move. She moved to Mexico on her own without even speaking the language and has been there ever since. If you're thinking about living abroad, next week's episode is the pod for you. This podcast was produced and edited by me, sound mixing by Jeff Morrow, and the theme song was created and performed by my lovely sister, Fernanda Franco. Follow me on social media, Joe underscore Franco, for daily updates, and the pod has an Instagram account too, Now Your Average Joe Pod. We're posting little snippets from the episodes. You look lovely, you're feeling great, have a beautiful rest of the day, and do a little something, something to invest in yourself this week. You deserve it. See you next time. Hey, yo, come listen to my girl, man. What you doing? Shit. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.